Well, hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Fiercely Bold with Lucy Mitchell podcast. I hope everyone has recovered from that four-part series on tapping into your dark feminine energy. If you did not, please go back and um, take a listen. Um, It was really fun for me to share all that with you. And I did not, I did not go in to like the juicy parts. Y'all need to get a book on the juicy parts because I mean, they tapping into your dark feminine energy. You can like literally learn how to like seduce any man to get what you want. Even if it's like your server at a restaurant, like it's, it's intense. Like I might try it one time with my husband, just see if I can get a free bottle of wine or something. I don't know. But anyways, um, as you guys know, I always love having guests on my show because y'all get tired of just seeing my face and hearing my voice. Um, But this is all about storytelling. This is all about sharing our journeys, especially as women, especially as, uh, as female entrepreneurs, mothers, wives, just women in general. In this day and age when we're having to fight for our womanhood, it's being taken from us. I don't know why anybody would want it, but that's another topic for another time. Um, So recently I did an all call out on my Facebook. It was like, anybody want to be a guest? And um, one of the first people to respond is my dear friend, Brittany. And so she's here with us today. If you're watching on my vlog, she is just gorgeous in this top and this beautiful pink lipstick. And if you're listening, well, then head on over to my YouTube and and check her out. But we like know each other, but we don't know each other. Like, you know, it's one of those things where like your Facebook friend, but you don't know how, and I don't know how, but that's okay. Because I mean, it's meant to be, she's on my show. So Brittany, why don't you give me a little backstory? First of all, how are we Facebook friends? You know, that's so funny because just as you were saying that just now, I was like, you know, I can't even remember how we got connected. But we did, and we've been connected for quite some time, but we've never, you know, like we see what's happening in each other's lives, obviously, because we are connected on Facebook and I think now LinkedIn. Um, But yeah, I I, I don't even remember. That's okay. That's okay. I'm so glad to be connected with you because I just, I absolutely adore you and I love everything that you put out there. So I'm so glad. You know, I have that, uh, at, I, I do curse on my, my podcast, but that like, I don't give a fuck kind of like attitude. It's like, I don't know, 48 years, almost 49 years on this planet. I'm like, I think I kind of deserved that. I'm like that crotchety old lady that doesn't look like the crotchety old lady, but I'm just like, look, if you don't like it, just there's the door. Just unfollow. You get to that point in life, right? <laughs> you do. You do. Um, so, um, so anyway, so that's interesting. Now I know both of us, when we get off this, we're going to be like, okay, now I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and figure out how, how. So yeah, I know, um, you are a, you do copyright and like content, like, give me your story. Like, who are you? Where'd you come from? What's your, what's your vibe? What, what do you do? So I I'm based out of New York. I live in New York. I'm about two hours outside of the city. So a little further upstate New York. 
um, in around the Poughkeepsie area, if anybody's familiar with that. So I've been born and raised here. Um, I have three children. I have an almost 15-year-old, an eight-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. <laughs> oh, Lord. It'll be two in July, yeah. So that's quite the age difference in my house. Um, and yes, I am a business owner. So I'm a copywriter and content strategist. I've been a writer for almost my entire life. I started writing as a young child when things were just difficult in life. You know, I, I come from a little bit of a, diff a difficult background. My childhood was um, very unstable and my outlet was to write. I was always, you know, the odd person out in school. I didn't have any friends. I was bullied. I was tormented completely. And I would just go home and I would write. And that's what I, and I actually found meditation too around that time. I was so young before meditation was like a thing, you know? I was just doing that without really knowing what I was doing. And I was writing and I was journaling constantly. And as I got older, I went on to win some awards for my writing. I won a bunch of scholarships that I got to go to the school for. So um, writing has always been such a huge part of my life. And um, in my adult life, when the kids started coming and I just always thought, how cool would it be to like do this, like solo, like by myself and set it out in corporate America just dealing with the gaslighting and all of the things and not making nearly enough money as I know that I should be making. And, um, you know, the breaking point was when my son was very sick. He um, was sick for about seven years of his life, my oldest, and I couldn't hold a job. I was just job hopping. And then that was kind of, and then COVID happened. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have almost three kids at the time. And I said, I'm done. I'm just, I'm done with all of this. And that's when I started my business. So <laughs> that's just a little background for you. Well, you know, you said in in your you know intake form that your story is pretty powerful and you love sharing it. So here's your platform. I want to hear this powerful story. Yeah. So it kind of comes from a couple of different avenues. So it really did all start childhood, right? So I'll take it back there only for a hot second. And um, just, you know, divorced parents. I've had a three, four stepdads. I've had a lot of stepdads. Um, my mom's, you know, been married several times, remarried. And that's totally, you know, whatever folks do. That's totally fine. Um, there was a lot of, of turmoil in the house. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of fighting always when my parents were together. And that was just, you know, handling that at such a young age, you know, with a baby brother at the time, it was just a real challenge. So there was a lot of instability there. And there was a lot of chaos on my mom's side of the family, things that she was going through with her own parents, with her own sisters, and they were really very cruel to her. So bottom line, end of story, chaos was just the name of the game in my home growing up. And so it really started back there. But I, and this might sound a little crazy, but I discovered from a very young age that I am very much a rebel. I very much have a just whatever, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pave my own way. I'm going to do it the Brit way. That's what I would always say as a teenager. My parents really hated that about me. Um, but I think it has served me well as an adult and as a mother and as an entrepreneur. So I've, I've always done things differently. I've never, you can't put me in a box. And I never knew why I was like that. I just, like I said, like what 10 year old child takes up medication, uh, meditation rather, not medication, meditation 
back in the very early 90s, you know, or, or the, it would have been the mid 90s that point. That just wasn't a thing. I was into things that nobody else was into. And um, that got me really far with childhood and into teenhood as I took up a lot of sports. I played basketball, I played lacrosse, and I was a competitive horseback rider for many, many years. And it really, I had to drop the lacrosse and the basketball because my love for riding and my horses just took over my life. It was everything I ever just could imagine life could be at that time. It, I was just surrounded. I was eating, breathing, and loving, and crying, and all of the things horses 24-7. Right. I was very fortunate to own two horses, and my first one unfortunately died when I don't know if anybody remembers this, but I think it was, yeah, he died in 99. So it was around 99 when we had the encephalitis outbreak and cows and horses were just kind of dying all over the country. Do you remember that? Yes. He was an unfortunate victim of that, which was terrible because, you know, we had plans and I know it's, you know, you, you make plans and the universe just laughs at you. I get it. But it was my mission in life to go to the Olympics with him. I wanted to not only compete, but I wanted to become a professional trainer, possibly a veterinarian for large animals only. So there was a lot of things. There was a lot of plans. And he died and my life fell apart. And I know that that sounds sad, but I promise happy ending. Um, and things became really hard. I was in high school. I became very troubled. I dealt with a lot of adversity and just trying to get over how I'm going to deal with the loss of, of him and possibly my career, right? Because what happens after that? Now, for those in the equine space, you don't just go to the next best thing. You've been with this animal you know, from the beginning, you've trained them, you've worked with them. What now? That takes a lot of time. So fast forwarding a few years, I did um, bring in my new baby at the time. His name was Quincy. And I trained him and I was told it was impossible. I was told he was fat. He was a different breed of horse that was not, I know, <laughs> he was a different breed of horse that was not meant for the show world. And at that time, I had made the pivot from competitive high jumping into dressage. If anybody's familiar with that, that's what I was doing at the time. And I was told, you are never going to win. And I just simply said, watch me. <laughs> right. And so we did. So Quincy was able to lose. I think he lost over 50 pounds because he really was quite fat. <laughs> that's okay. No judgment. And we were able to lose the weight. I got him nice and groomed. I spent hours and days on his hair and his mane and his tail and doing all of the things. And I got him in competition shape and we were ready to go. And I'll never forget the day we were entering this one competition and it was raining and Quincy was terrified of umbrellas. It was like a thing for him. Like he would just go nuts. And of course it was raining. The umbrellas were out and the the, uh, the uh, judge who happened to catch us upon entry just kind of nicely said, don't you think he would be suited for something else? The dressage ring is not for him or you. And I, you know, <laughs> that's really hard as a, as a teenager girl to not really let that mess with you on some right. level. And I said, you know what, I'm here to do a job, you know, win, lose, draw. I don't care. I'm here with this animal. He's been through a lot. I've been through a lot. We are going to compete today. And we did. And guess what? We won. So I think everybody was very, you know, so really a lot of things in my life started happening back when 
I was in the writing space. And just as Quincy and I started getting into a groove and we really started taking off in that aspect, and then that, you know, that first just inkling came back to me, that bright light and, you know, where my inner voice said, this could still happen for you. You can still achieve all of your dreams in this space. You've got this. And just as that happened, it was all unfortunately taken away within literally a matter of seconds because I had been training again with him and um, nothing crazy was going on. It was just a regular training session. And all of a sudden, my knee, my whole leg just popped. The arena heard it. Nobody could have... You know, and then I, my, I'll never forget the day I was standing. My mom, she had been watching me in the corner and I said, mom, I don't think I can feel my leg. And, you know, you know how moms can be. Right. And that one little moment in time spiraled out into a 10 year stint of not being able to walk, of being told I would never walk again, wheelchairs, canes, crutches, surgeries the most unbearable pain I think I've ever felt in my life. I would gladly go through another 21 hour labor again with my son versus going through everything that I went through with my leg and surgeons and specialists and nobody being able to fix me. And going through all of this again, I had surgeon after surgeon, specialist, specialist after specialist say, you're never going to walk again, deal with it. You know, the pain is not, you're not having pain, it's in your mind. And I just said, no. And 10 whole years later, I found the man that put me back together again and gave me my life back. He um, was a special, he dealt with a lot of the pro sports athletes and the surgery, it, he had to divide it up into two surgeries for my leg because it was in such bad shape. It, the surgery was named after him. Like he invented the surgery he did on my leg. Wow. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but it was incredible. And six months after that surgery, I was able to walk again and run and bike and hike and swim and do all the things anybody else could do. So I, I never went back to riding though. Um, that it was, it was pain. There was a lot that happened. I know I'm kind of only covering the base, you know, story of oh. what went on, but there was a lot that was happening in the industry. There was a lot of abuse that I saw, you know, in the farm that I was with that I, I do, did not stand for at all. Um, and I ended up leaving them. So there was just a lot. So I decided it just was not, I was not emotionally ready to, to really ever go back. And even now when I'm around the animals, I, I mean, it's just, I can't compose myself. It's very hard, but you know, all that to say, going through that entire situation taught me as a human and really plays a huge part in my entrepreneurial journey because I just don't, and this might be my stubbornness, I don't know, I don't accept no for an answer, you know, and you have to keep going and no matter how hard life gets or the chips that are stacked against you. I mean, I saw pictures, I saw visual proof that I was never going to walk again, that I was never really going to have much of a life again. And I said, no, right. End of story. No, I will find a way to make this happen. You know, and, and I'm, I'm an amazing problem solver still to this day. I will, I will let myself feel the emotions and take that emotional pause in life. Right. But then we get to work and we solve this problem and we push through and that, you know, being in that mindset and going through everything that I went through in my riding career, really took flight when my son was sick for seven years and nobody could find an answer for him. I was told he was going to die. 
So that was, you know, and and when he was at the height of his sickness, as a parent having to call 911 on your five-year-old child and see him being taken away by ambulance because he's flatlined, that's a horrifying moment. And I know so many parents out there can really resonate with that. Mm-hmm. But once again, like, no, I'm sorry. I know you're a doctor, but no, we need to fix him. We need to keep going. And that's just kind of how I am. And that's a little bit of my story in a nutshell, but it really is a story of perseverance and not giving up and, and having that mental toughness, but also that deep intuition to know when you're right, you know, right. like I'm not right about everything and I don't pretend to be but you know when you know when something is off and something's not right and you have to fix it and it might take 10 years mm-hmm. then it might take seven years it took seven years for me to fix my kid you know so things take time but once that happens it's really amazing the the feel and the look that your life will have you know, it, I resonate with so much of what you, of what, you know, you're, you have shared. I mean, first of all, the connection between human and animal is one that I don't even know of anybody they could put to the right words. I mean, there's, there's books, there's movies, there's, there's, you know, uh, music video. I mean, it's still, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I am looking for a cow sanctuary here in Texas because I want to cuddle a cow. Because I went to this thought leadership like event. I'd never been to one. And there was a woman who um, she wrote a book, but all about um, the emotional connection with a cow. And, and what can happen when you stare into the eyes of a cow. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I was looking around the room and there were a lot of people going. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to look at my dinner before I eat my dinner? And it's like. She was like, I'm not telling everybody to be vegan. She's like, but the emotional connection, there is just something about the spirit within certain animals. I mean, mostly all animals. I mean, you look at your dogs and, and, and cats and, and especially when, when you've developed a deep connection um, to them, that, that is, is something that you just, it's so hard to express, whether it's in emotions or in, in words. And, and I, I always go back then to, to like knowing when something is off, you know, if in one of my episodes, I think it was one of my first or second episodes of this podcast, you know, I shared my story of dealing with, you know, weight gain. I had vertigo for four years. My hands and feet were numb. I had blurred vision. I slept on average two hours a night. And, and all I was told was to take a nap. And mother trucker, if I could take a nap, I'd take a nap. But if I did, it was only like 10 minutes because if I'm sleeping on average two hours, what do you think a nap's going to do? I knew something was wrong. Something was off. And all we get is that defeat of, well, I don't know what to tell you. I can't fix you. There's, there's nothing going on. There's nothing wrong. Well, you know, we either give up and, and just, which is what a lot of times people do, women do, and even men do, whether it's a financial resource or whether it's just a lack of what's around you or a lack of knowledge of how to research or whatnot. But if you get your mindset right on like, no, this is not going to be my story. This is not how 
I'm going to live the rest of my life or how my child is going to live the rest of his life. I am going to keep fighting. I am going to keep researching. There is an answer out there. It's really about your, your mindset, taking over, having the, the willpower to fight that inner voice that says, give up. Yeah. And to light and to scream the voice that says, I'm not going to give up. You know, I mean, my daughter, um, my second born, I have four kids, but one, I have a stepdaughter, we're a blended family, but my daughter, she was born with two holes in her heart. Oh. Basically her blood was just going back and forth. That baby was blue and they had no answers. And I said, okay. I mean, she's six days old and they're trying to do EKGs on her and x-rays and all these things just to kind of figure out they were big holes. And they were like, well, we could do surgery. We don't know if she would, she'll survive. And I said, no, no, we're not going to do any of that. We are going to do some research. We're going to research. And I mean, I, and little old me living in a small town, California at the time, I think Google was a new thing. I have no idea because this is 2004. So yeah, <laughs> we didn't even have Facebook at the time. So I'm like encyclopedia in it. I don't know, but it's like where there's a will, there's a way. And I mean, her holes closed on their own. Wow. She has just a heart murmur and she's a sophomore in, in, at a tier one college in, in Washington, DC, going to school for journalism. But that was also looking at this child and I felt like I had to transform my mindset into her. Like you're going to fight with me, which I'm sure you had to do with your son. Yeah. Your son's being older is probably just not wanting to deal with all the things that he's having to deal with. And you're having to translate as a mother, I'm giving you my energy as much of my life force as possible because we're going to fight this thing together. For sure. It's like the, the hardest, hardest thing. And then when you do fight and you win, it's like damn right we get to take all the glory in that. And now we turn around, like, where can we transform this energy into, you know, what's the next thing? And so for you, this next, you know, you are putting all of this energy now that you can walk. Thank God. I mean, that's freaky um, and amazing that doctors are amazing. They're out there. You know, the ones that, that are like really brilliant, they just need to make themselves known. There needs to be like a special Google site just for them. They really do. They, I mean, it took 10 years to find him. Like it just shouldn't be that hard, but. <laughs> no, no. It's like the idiot doctors can have their own, the lazy ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the brilliant ones, the ones that are just going to like do all of the hard work need to like have their light shined super bright. Um, so for, so, and I, and the other thing I wanted to say, when you were talking about it, I used to write all the time too, as a, as a uh, child of trauma, um, diaries were a thing. I don't know if they still are. They were, they were huge. I mean, I don't even know what I wrote in mine. I don't even know where mine's at. I probably threw it away, but it was probably a bunch of gibberish, but I don't know if this was like for you, but in dealing with like the trauma and your coping mechanisms, I feel like it got it out of my head and my heart and onto paper. Yeah, Absolutely. There was because you can't you can't carry that in 
you know, with you. I don't know why or how I realized that at the age that I did, but I knew it was toxic to just hold that. And to be honest with you, I really didn't have anybody else to talk to. I couldn't go to my family. I didn't really have friends that cared enough to want to know what was up, you know, right. The the only thing I could do to help myself was to get it out. Yeah. And it helped tremendously. I know. I mean, I, I 100% agree. I can't journal for crap now. I don't know what it is. I'm one of those people that COVID um, produced another person with ADHD. I apparently, my mother says I always had it. She's like, yeah, we knew. I was like, you didn't do anything. I was like, well, what were you going to do? Yeah. That's Lucy. That's Lucy. She's doing 10 different things at once and fell out of her chair. (laughs) That's Lucy. Now it's like, I tell my, I'll tell my clients, I'm like, I want you to journal out your feelings so that they get in. And then, you know, you could burn it. You could do a ceremony. I don't even do any of that stuff. Oh. I'm like, no, I'll have a glass of wine instead. That's fine. Just have a glass of wine. That's, that's my job. So, um, so tell me, okay. So you tell me about your business. Yeah. So I've been in this space for forever, I feel like. I, I had written for companies and produced content for them and handled communications and content and writing. Um, that's basically what I was doing in a nutshell. So when I started the business, funny, not funny, I started as a VA agency because I, I didn't know, you know, we go through that self-doubt too. When you go through like a lot in life, you have that like, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Will I always be someone's assistant forever? You know, you have those feelings. Um, But I knew I had a lot of different skill sets at the time. Writing and problem solving really always came first. But I did a lot of like one-off things that I had learned in the corporate world. So I had a really wide array of skills. And I said, you know what, I'm going to launch this. We're going to do a VA agency. It's going to be great. And it was great for a very long time. I grew very quickly, very, very quickly. (laughs) And I started you know, I just started like in my local hometown, working with local business owners, mostly brick and mortars. And then it just took off to like, oh my gosh, I was helping like people all around the country and then all around the world. So it was crazy how fast that went. Um, And I loved every second of it. But the one thing that I had a really hard time with was that no client that I had been working with during that time frame was really caring about content they didn't have a message. Don't even talk to me about their copywriting because that was non-existent. Like sales pages, fluff, you know, landing pages, garbage. Like, and I don't mean that to be negative. I mean that because you can't just put words together and send up a hope and a prayer that you're going to make money. It doesn't, we're like, this is a skill, you know, that I've really been developing my whole life. You know, writing is a skill. This takes time. This takes technique. It takes strategy. It's not just, I'm going to just, Put something out there and call it a day. It doesn't work that way. You might get one sale from it, but that's not, you're not going to keep converting and you're not going to grow. Bottom line, end of story. So I realized that this was becoming a real problem. And I was working totally my fault too. I'm not here to finger point. I was bringing in very toxic people that I just couldn't. You know, I couldn't. And I was dealing with a very rough pregnancy at the time. And people were very not understanding that I had to take time off to have a baby. So I decided we're done with that. Literally fired everybody. 
um, with love and I'm still, I'm still friends with them. You know, it's all good. Um, but I fired them with love and then I, I just solely took on the writing. I said, you know, this was all I wanted to focus on. And I had been doing that for them too. But what I caught myself doing was a hundred different things every single day for everyone. And that was not sustainable for me. Um, and they needed to get their words right. Right. We, we don't have like words are the foundation of our businesses, all of us. And if we don't have that right, you're not going to really get very far. So um, then I just solely offered my copywriting and content writing services moving forward. And, and that's just kind of where I am now. And I'm loving it. And I get to work with the best people. You know, I, I work with a ton of coaches and realtors and a farm, a local farmer found me and I, I blew up his business within a matter of six months and it was beautiful. So I work with so many different people and I absolutely love it. Writing, I'm just, I feel like I was born to do this and I love when I'm able to get results for other people and then they don't waste all of that time flailing around like I did in the beginning you know, and they know what to do and they have the strong foundation to do it. So so many people don't understand really the importance of good copyright and good content. And, right. um, you know, you get, you get a lot of people that they either just do like the post and pray or, um, yeah. or a very, depending on what, what field they're in, it's either very salesy. There's, there's no feeling, there's no emotion. You've got to connect with people on an emotional level because that's what are they, what percentage is, the buying process of, of emotion, like 50% or I don't know, some, it's some, up there. It's, it's up, up there. there. Yeah. We'll go with 50, but it could be more. It could be more. It's not less. You know, I know for me, it's, it's way higher, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and the same with, if you are wanting to drive traffic, drive traffic to your website or to your Instagram page, or to, you have got to have the right type of content. Um, to draw them in and to and to keep them drawn in. And so that's where I think what you do is so important. I mean, I would be lost without my VA who does my copyright for me because my my ideas are like a freaking roller coaster. They're all over the place. And she like narrows them down. She's like, all right, you you just word vomit in your stories. You have fun there. You have fun there. And, and, and when it comes to your business, I'll help you like hone in. I'm like, thank you. I, I really do appreciate that so much. Um, one question I want to get your viewpoint on is do, and if you have one, um, because my husband and I were having this conversation with AI. Oh. Ah! <laughs> okay. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I mean, thoughts like. I, I kind of feel like it's giving you guys like it's jipping, it's jipping good copywriters because you can just download this app and I mean, you could tell that it's not good. You could tell. Right. right. I mean, that's, the, that, that's, I mean, to, I don't want to say everybody could tell, and I don't want to assume people are stupid, but I just want to say that like, depending on the app used or whatever you can see when there's emotion and inflection and when there's just a bunch of words. Right. Together. Right. And yeah, it's a great topic and it's very controversial. So here's where I kind of stand with the whole AI thing. I think it's a really great tool for ideas. 
I do not think, and I'm seeing it every day and it pains my soul, it is not okay to just copy and paste content and copy and paste words and put them out into the world as your own because you can, you know, a business owner that's not a writer might not be able to tell that that copy or that content is bad. Not bad, but just off. But to a good writer, someone's been in this space and doing this for a really long time, they know. They know you didn't write that. They know that is not, you know, it's not a refined and polished third or fourth draft. That's like a one-off. I had to do it real quick to get it out there. That's not okay. That's when you're going to start seeing issues. That's when you're going to start seeing business owners and businesses really crumble because it's not sustainable. You're not going to grow. It's not authentic, you know, and authentic content and intentional content and intentional words is what's going to grow your business. So I would say like, and it's not replacing people. I'm not worried. Honestly, I'm really not because I've played around with it a little bit and it's very unimpressive to me and it's very underwhelming, especially some of the hooks, you know, your hook or header is that first sentence on, on a sales page or a post or email that's really has to be like fire to rein people in. Oh my gosh. I, I just did a whole TikTok video about this because I couldn't. And it's, it was just so underwhelming and it's words that we see and that we're used to every single day or it's stuff that's not clear. For example, I always give this example. If you're out there promoting, we'll just use this as an, as an example, your coaching business. If you're out there promoting your coaching business and you say something along the lines of come you know, learn how to use your inner feminine, you know, empowerment. That's it. You know, so sorry, but what does that mean? And that's what AI is really going to create for you. It's, it's such a lack of clarity and so blanketed. So it's really not niched. You know, you're going to have to polish it, use it as, as a thinking tool, as a creative tool, but don't just use those words. You have, they have to be your words. They have to. Good. I'm so glad I asked that question. That way, a lot of my listeners know because I know for me, I, I, I've used, when I have used it, I've used it as like a version of a dictionary or something. Like I need to explain a term that I don't necessarily know, but I don't have a dictionary or an encyclopedia anymore. So. Yeah. <laughs> it can it, be helpful. But, you know, if, if I still people, have to talk it up to make it sound like me, because to me, right. it sounds very robot. I'm like, I don't talk like that. I need some y'alls in there. I got to throw some y'alls in there somewhere. You have to make it your own, you know, and people are just really all over the AI craze because it's a quick fix. But that's not going to be what wins the race at the end of the day. You right. know, it's this is a very long journey. Anybody that's an entrepreneur, it's a very long journey. This is not okay. Give me results in a week. And that's what the whole copy and paste with AI, that's, I don't even, people are not getting results. Right. I know that they're not. I know that they're not with it. You know, you have to make it your own, use it as a tool, but don't just copy and paste those words and put it off as yours because you won't, you just won't grow. No, no. That's why I'm still keeping my VA because <laughs> yeah. she's a wizard with the words and uh, I, I don't, I, like, like I said, I, it's, I try not to step outside my realm and I'm all about outsourcing. I think that we all have gifts, we all have talents and those need to be utilized by other humans and technology has its purpose and its place. And, you know, I mean, 
what's what is next i mean i think there's mcdonald's no longer has people serving like it, it's yeah it's going crazy but Brittany, i just want to thank you so so much for being my guest and sharing your story like that is a very powerful story that's a story of resilience of of uh, of empowerment and of mindset and not only at taking your own story of what you went through, but then being able to take that and use it for your son and help your son. And I'm so glad that he's still here with us and that he's okay and that he's better because, oh, as mamas, that's the last thing. Mama bears come out. Like, no, we're not, yeah. <laughs> we're not giving in. No, no, for sure. Um, I'm going to put in the show notes, all the different ways to, for anybody to contact you, especially for content and for copyright, because I guarantee you, you're going to get some, you know, you're going to get some reach outs. And of course, if you've got any freebies or a Facebook group or anything you want to invite everybody to, um, which I'm sure you do, um, that will be in the show notes. Uh, but again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and for being on the uh, Fiercely Bold with Lucy Mitchell podcast. You never know what you're going to get on this podcast, okay? Sometimes there's laughing and there's tears and sometimes we're talking AI. And um, one time I think we talked about soiled underwear. I don't, I don't remember what that was about. But at the end of the day, what I like to always share with my listeners and my viewers that watch me on YouTube is you, you have a story. And your story stems from important memories, whether they're traumatic or, or whether they're victorious. And what you do with that story and how you transform yourself really is what shapes the world that we are in for, the for our future, for our children, for our children's children. And I just implore everybody just to live as bold as you can, live as fierce as you can and, um, and continue to share your story, impact as many people as you can. So thank you so much. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for watching until next time. Um, I don't know. What to, I, I don't really have a catchphrase y'all. Y'all know this. I don't have no damn catchphrase. I'm like, till next time. See you on the flip side. What? <laughs> I'll catch you guys all on the next episode. <laughs>